Welcome to Nighttime Conversations with Stephen Freya, unscripted, unedited, spontaneous. We take on the deeper subjects of love, romance, sex, and personal happiness. I'm Steve McElhin, and I'm with Freya Jordan. Hey, Freya, how are you? Hi, I'm great, Steve. How are you? Beautiful. Tonight, we'll be chatting about something really interesting. It's why do people have sex? So I obviously have my opinions. Freya has hers. And what we'll be doing after this program is inviting you, uh, the listeners, uh, to send us your thoughts on this topic, and we'll include this in the follow-up to this podcast. So Freya, do you want to take this off? Yeah, uh, it, it does sound like a kind of a funny subject. Why do people have sex? It sounds self-explanatory, but it, it's actually much more complicated. And I've been uh, poking at you for a while now because I've really, really wanted to address this subject. And I also, I really, really want to encourage the listeners to chime in. I want to hear from you. What are some of the reasons that you've had sex with a partner or maybe with a random stranger that are not because you've just been so horny, you had to have it. Because I'm making the case, I, I, like I'm really making the case for that's not why we do it. I agree. I agree. And you know what? Um, procreation is not the primary reason either. So we're not having sex to make babies. For the most part, you know, people sometimes, every once in a while, usually, <laughs> usually only once or twice in a lifetime, will have sex to make babies. And so it's not for procreation. And usually it's not because we're just so horny we can't help ourselves. Yeah. And so why do we do it all the time? Yeah. And the reason we know it's not just because of high sex drive is because when I ask people, when they say, well, I just like sex, I, I just want sex all the time, I ask them, uh, so are we talking about solo masturbation? You just need an orgasm, you need to get your rocks off. Is that what we're talking about? And invariably, I hear, no, no, that's not what I'm talking about. What I want is uh, males say, I want sex with a woman. I want sex with my partner specifically. So we know it's not just that orgasm. It's not just that feeling, physically feeling good. It's something exactly. much more. Exactly. Because if it was just about the release. Now, the release, when I say release, I'm talking about the specifically the ejaculation. Or the, or in, in women, the orgasm, that sort of release sensation where the tension that you have from arousal is gone. Yeah. And if you factor in, you know, if that was really the case, why are we always pressuring other people to have sex with us? Yeah. Why are, why are we always trying to get our partners to have sex with us or, or strangers if it's not a partner? And why not, you know, it's so much easier to just do it yourself, but we don't want to do it with ourselves. We want to do it with other people. Yeah. And what are the reasons? What are we really trying to get when we, when we do it that way? And if it was also just about that sex drive, why are so many people having sex when they're not getting the orgasm? Yeah. I, I'd like to start this off. I, I'll share a story with you, a um, deeply personal story. My first marriage, I was uh, a very shy, awkward sort of guy uh, that um, – I was a virgin until my early 20s. I think I was 20-something, maybe 20, uh, when I, I first had sex with a woman because I, I was just so awkward, so desperately awkward uh, with women. I wanted to find the woman I'm going to fall in love with and get married to and who's going to be my soulmate. I just wanted it desperately. And uh, the first woman I got involved with, I was still that guy who could not say, hey, honey, let's go have sex or I want to make love to you. I, I just – I found that awkward to say even because even though I was living with her, even though she was in the same bed with me, even though we got married a few years later, I still had a hard time asking for sex. And my complaint in that relationship was I don't get enough sex. And I really believed, I really believed it was just, um, I just want more sex and life would be better if I got more sex. So, so what did you do to get it then? If you were, if you were not comfortable asking for it, what did you do to get it? Just out of curiosity. Uh, I would drop hints um, and that the hints would be is if we were in bed is I would cuddle up with her I would touch her in a way that I would hope would be reciprocated or that she'd understand that I'm I'm wanting to have uh, a sexual experience with her and uh, more times than not that was just not acknowledged even uh, it wasn't um, it wasn't like a yes or like I'm too tired for sex let's do in the morning um, it was just often not even acknowledged uh, that that's the guy I was when I was 20 21 22 years old I had that kind of difficulty with it's funny it's funny you say that Steve because when I was the same age and I was married 
I wanted sex all the time. Like I, I wanted it several times a day. I was that person that wanted Same it here. all times. Yeah. And and yet I actually um not super early on in the marriage, but let's just say a couple years in, my husband would do that thing where he wouldn't communicate. Um and I was really annoyed at the way that he would he would not ask for anything or not initiate anything. And when we had when we discussed it, he we came up with this term for what he was doing, and it was called testing the waters. That's accurate. He said, yeah. he, and he would say, "I'm just testing the waters because I want to make sure you're not going to say no." And I got really mad because I was like, "You think I'm going to say no? Like I want sex all the time. You're the one that is not having sex all the time with me. I want it all the time, and yet you still have to test the waters. Like, what do you think?" Yeah. And and that and it was really it was such a turnoff. Yeah. That he would not actually initiate. He would do this weird passive kind of dance. Yeah. And it made me mad and it, it, it turned me off, even though I, I was already turned on. If that made any sense. Yeah. Years later, I understood that behavior, my behavior. I understood that as something different at the time. And it took me decades to, to wrap my head around it. Uh, what I was doing is I didn't, I wasn't aware that I had low confidence, low self-esteem, meaning that I didn't have the awareness that I was afraid of being rejected. So what I was mm-hmm. trying to do is I was trying to start up a sexual experience without taking the risk of saying, I want a sexual experience or, hey, honey, let's have sex. Because at that point, you've really put it on the table. Your intentions are clear. They're unambiguous. But the risk you're taking is somebody might say, no, I'm not turned on. Don't feel like it. Don't want to. Uh, so without putting out your intentions clearly and articulating that way, uh, you don't have to face the the, the disappointment and the what feels like rejection by her saying mm-hmm. no. Uh, and that might resonate with you, with, uh, with your first husband and the experience you're having there is that the, the testing of the waters is, I really want you to want me, but I'm not going to make the first move and say that because that would feel like rejection if I don't get what I want. So I'm just hoping to make it happen in roundabout ways. Yep. Yeah, it's, very, yeah very much so. Yeah. Unfortunate, but that's that was my life for many years. And I through that relationship, it, it lasted around twelve years. We we're together for twelve years. Um I gradually became uh more confident to the point where I could actually say I would like to have sex, and that's when things started getting uncomfortable because uh my partner uh didn't. Um she had had a really bad experience uh, early on in life. Uh, a sexual assault with her on the re- on the receiving end, uh, never got help for it, uh, never told anybody about it. So I was one of the few people in the world that even knew about it. And obviously that um, that experience created traumatic patterns in her mind where she didn't have a good relationship with sex. So it didn't feel comfortable, didn't feel clean, wonderful, sexy, sizzling, uh, delicious, titillating. It was just a thing that people did that she really wasn't that interested in. Um, and, and she literally said, I, I could live without sex. I, I could be perfectly fine without sex. And, and me, I was not that guy who could be perfectly fine without sex at the time. Uh, so as I became more asking for it and getting more and more no's, um, I eventually concluded that I, I can't get what I want out of this relationship. And towards the end of it, I had affairs, which not proud of, but I did have a, a couple of lasting affairs. And I believed at the time that the only reason I'm doing this is because I just want sex. I'm not getting it at home so uh, I can get sex with this uh, hot redhead at the office. And wouldn't that be wonderful? And and it felt great. Uh, it felt wonderful that I was getting this uh, this attention and this sex. And at the time, I believed that's what I want. I want this sex. I want this titillation. And I'm getting it. And it feels great. So no problem. Beautiful. Uh, that's what I believed at the time. Um, and that was age roughly 20 to 32 I'm 60 now, so I obviously see things uh, very, very differently now. Uh, looking back at who I was, looking back at um, the way I thought, uh, what I believed back then versus what I believe now. Um, so that was my my thought about why I wanted sex at age 20, say mid-20s. So, you know, when I was younger, it's much different than uh, how it is now. I, I would say when I was younger, there was a degree of being – I was literally much hornier, mm-hmm. but same here. 
you, you know, I just had a higher drive, and, and some of that is procreative. Yeah. I'm sure I was more fertile than I am now, even though yeah. I'm still fertile. But um, another big part of it was I wanted validation. Like, to yeah. me, being desired was being desired and having sex with somebody who really wanted me was an affirmation of who I was. Yeah. It, it meant that I was worth something. It meant that I was attractive. It meant I was okay. It, I was pretty. And um, I really needed that. And so it was super important to me to have that on, on a very regular basis. Like I, I couldn't go very long without it. And I know that um, outside of pure libido, because with pure libido, you can rub it out. Mm-hmm. So outside of pure libido, there's a huge aspect of validation. Somebody wants me. Um, I, I'm getting that attention. Yeah. And I think that's a big reason for a lot of affairs, actually. Yeah. When I, somebody's desiring, like, you know, when you're desiring sex outside of the marriage, maybe the, um, maybe your, your partner is actually having sex with you. Yeah. I didn't know that at the time uh, in my 20s. I didn't know that until decades later, but I resonate deeply with what you just said. And that is um, I had low self-esteem and low self-worth, uh, and it manifested in various ways, such as uh, I was a uh, hyper-aggressive business guy. I was uh, building a business empire in my 20s. I was making a really good income. Um, and this was just another way of saying, look at me. I'm a somebody. I'm worth it, aren't I? I, I am worthy. I, I am somebody. So in my relationship with my wife, uh, that manifested as um, sex meant I am worthy, I am desired, I am esteemed, you see me, you desire me, you value me, you want me mm-hmm. in your life. That's what – I didn't know it at the time, but that's what it meant to me. Uh, so even though I, I said the words were I just want more sex in my life, what it really meant is I'm looking to other people to give me the signs that help me feel better about myself. Which is huge, especially yeah. when you're looking at affairs. And I don't want to make this podcast about affairs, but usually when, uh, let, you know, your partner has, let's just say your husband has an affair, okay, with the lady at work. And immediately, the, or, or vice versa, it could be your wife, the thoughts go to, well, why am I not good enough? What's wrong with me? Um, you know, are, are they prettier than me? Do they have a bigger dick? Are, is the sex better? Is she younger? Are her breasts nicer? There's all this stuff like, what's wrong with me that he's looking somewhere else? And it's usually not about that at all. Usually it is that, and, and you could be having sex. So it's like, hey, we're having sex twice a week. Why are you still looking for more sex? Yeah. And it, it has more to do with the validation um, that somebody desires you and somebody new. Yeah. Like you already know your wife is there. And what you just said about an affair relates to the belief about I'm not getting enough sex. I want more sex. I want hotter sex is the lack of my partner delivering that to me, giving me that those signals um, has me feeling in a way. Um, I'm, I don't trivialize affairs. It has me feeling in a way like my partner really isn't into me. That's the way my brain interpreted it because when I was in my 20s uh, and, and earlier and, and arguably years later as well, I could not separate sex from love. To me, they were virtually indistinguishable that if my wife doesn't want to have sex with me, then that means that she's not in love with air quotes running. She's not in love with me because, of course, when you're in love with somebody, you want to have sex with them. But and- Steve, it's and, you know I'm interrupting you because of how often I've seen this with my clients. It's not even just the sex because often partners are willing to have sex. It has something to do with the act of desire. So yeah. I'll have a guy come to me and he'll say, you know, he's got this issue with, and and he'll have the self awareness. So like I'm giving major kudos to these guys, um, and he'll say that he has this rejection issue. So he will make these bids for connection. And he'll want sex. In his brain, he's thinking, I want sex. But really, the underlying thing is, I want to be accepted and I want to be desired. So what he'll do is he sees his wife, (laughs) she's sitting in her bed reading or she's cooking or she's doing something. And on his mind, he's like, okay, I want this thing. I'm going to try to get sex somehow. So he starts doing that dance, that testing the waters dance. Maybe he'll come up and he'll start like, he'll be like, Hey, do you want a foot massage? Mm -hmm. 
And she's like, I'm reading. And what happens when it's because she is. Yeah. And to him, everything falls flat. He's rejected. He kind of goes down this spiral into rejection and she doesn't desire him. And there's all this, this massive story that he's telling about his worthiness because she said, because she's actually reading and she's in his own. And yet, um, and, and so that's what we work on. We work on his issues with, she really actually didn't reject you <laughs> like, at all. You just found out what, what state is she in right now. So what's happening in that scene you just described is uh, the woman is reading a book and she's in her zone reading a book, observing her book, and her partner says, would you like a foot massage? And really to her, she's not interested in a foot massage at this time because she's reading your book. She's fine without it. No, thanks. I'm not interested in a foot massage. That's the perspective on her side. On his side, what's going on is I want to start something up sexually. And I think my way to do this is to start off with giving her a foot massage and then I can work my way up to her thighs and maybe get my hands on her hips and then, uh, you know, and then she'll get in the mood and then the sex will happen and then I get what I want. That's what's go- that's a story going on in his mind. So the, the foot massage isn't an authentic question of would you like a foot massage? It's the, the real deeper question is are you receptive to the scenario that I've conjured up in my mind in order to, to start up sex with you? And so when he gets a no, in his mind, he's just been rejected because I've wanted sex. I want to get this great feeling. I want to get this validation. And it's all happening subconsciously. It's not typically, it's not conjured up maliciously. Uh, and you get that total shutdown and it feels horrible. My God, oh, I just, oh I it's just, terrible. And then he, he goes off and sulks. I want, and- yeah, <laughs> I, want, I want my wife to want me and she's not interested in me. And meanwhile, and, she's and going. He will, he will sulk. Yeah. Make no mistake about it, he will sulk. And if she knows him well enough, and after you've been married for a couple of years, you definitely know your partner well enough. She knows what he's up to, though. When he comes in and says, you want a foot massage? She's like, here we go. He's going he's gonna to say that. And then there's going to be this dance. And there's going to be all this like awkward stuff where he's trying to like work his way up my legs. And I'm like, okay. You know, like, can you just... <laughs> so... <laughs> okay, so I, I just want to add in a sidebar right now, just about <laughs> sulking, just a brief sidebar for our listeners. Sulking is something that only happens with someone you care for. And the, the principle of sulking is you should know how I feel. You should know that I'm hurting and you should know how to make me feel better. And if you loved me, you would do that without me needing to tell you. So I'm just going to be grumpy and I'm going to be pouty. And the next step is you should come to me and try to cheer me up and try to make me feel better. That's what sulking is about. Wait, though, Steve. (laughs) I'm going to tell you as a woman. Go ahead. (laughs) Men sulk when you don't want sex. Yeah. Yeah. With them at that moment. If you say no, they sulk and it's super annoying. It, It can happen, yes. I'm not. I'm not lying. I'm just. I'm just saying. So it's not just in this relationship context where um, you know them really well, and they and they're thinking, well, you know, you should know me. It's also in the context of you know maybe you don't owe them anything. Yeah. Not that not that wives owe their husbands sex. I'm just saying maybe maybe it's a friendship context. You're hanging out with your buddy. He's he thinks for some erroneous reason. That maybe he can get laid today, even though all the other times it's like no. So so he makes a bid for um for sex, and you say no, or maybe you're on a date, and it's like not tonight, and yeah, major sulkage going on here. And I think it's I think it's because there's something more than just the horniness. There's a lot of there's a lot of self esteem and self worth resting on your yes. Yeah, the the, the females yes. Or, or the males, because look, women women act up as well if they get turned down. I'm not saying it's a man thing only. Definitely not at all. Yeah. So let's get back to what yeah. does what does sex mean to us? Why are we craving it? Why are we wanting it? And and we've mentioned self esteem, validation. I think it's a. I think it sometimes feels like um, somebody's accepting you as a human if they if they take you on sexually. Yeah. Yeah, you're accepting me. You you value me. You like me. You approve of me. You receive me. And it's not, you know, there's also there's accepting you, but then there's also I want to be desired. That's a a big theme for people. People really want to be wanted. Yeah. Now, people will often argue this is perfectly natural. The the, the want to be wanted is perfectly natural. So don't pathologize that. Uh, 
I, I argue that oh, I, I'm not pathologizing it. It's normal. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I, I'm not accusing you, Frey. I'm not accusing you of this, but I, I get that message aimed at me, targeted at me. That it's just it's natural to want to be wanted. What I argue is that we anim, we humans are are social animals. It's natural for humans to make social connections. It's natural for us to connect with other people and our pets, uh, to connect with other things such as you might have a favorite drum or a favorite car that you absolutely love this favorite car and you polish it up and it's your baby. So we connect with things. That's the way humans are. That's the natural part of human connections. What isn't natural is for me to look at you specifically and say, I need you to make me feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. That's no, the part, that's, right the part that's problematic. You're and, right there. Yeah, that's what causes us hurt in our relationships and, and in life in general. Also, I would say that if we want to, look, people can do what they want. Everybody gets to choose how they want to have their relationships. But yeah, yeah. Um, the more limitations you put on your relationship, the more you're also going to limit the expression that you can have. And what I mean by that is, so if you and I, and I'm going to use us just because it's easy because we're having this conversation. Yeah. So if we had a romantic partnership and I decided, okay, Steve, um, I don't want you having flirtatious conversations with other women. Now that we're together, that's off the table. So you and I, our flirtation is limited to each other only because anything else is inappropriate. Anything else is going to threaten our connection. And I'm also going to say, uh, you know, I really don't want you looking at, at porn anymore because sex is something sacred between the two of us. Sex is just for us. So flirtation is just for us. Sex is just for us. The attention, that very special sexual attention um, is something that I want just for our relationship. We're monogamous. So now we've created um, this very, very limited and finite container. and. You know, when you cut off this, you're essentially, you're cutting off the source of a lot of energy. So when you, like when we say to each other, well, I want you to want me and I want you to desire me, but I, we've got to operate within this very narrow, like we're, we're within a cage basically. Mm-hmm. Now, it may be a very loving cage. It may be a nurturing cage. It may be a cage where we're like, hey, we're going to give each other this great relationship. You're still in a cage. And it's very, very difficult for desire to thrive within within such a cage because, um, you know, how are you going to, I don't know. Humans thrive on novelty. Yeah. And even if novelty doesn't mean going out and, and having sex with other people, you still got to get out there somehow with your mind. Get out there. So that what you just mentioned to me uh, brings up a number of points, and that is that uh, as Esther Perel, she's a wonderful relationship expert, affair expert. Uh, she has this wonderful saying that uh, desire is all about the wanting, and you mm-hmm. can't want something you already have. Ah, oh, yes. So, yes. so while while Freya is the single woman, and while I'm wooing her, while I'm trying to get her, there's tremendous desire, and there's fantasy building, and there's all sorts of need going on. But after Stephen Frey have been married for 15 years, and, and she's firmly a woman I have got, long before 15 years, that desire is going to wane. It's going to disappear because I can appreciate you a lot, but I no longer desire something that I already have. I can only desire something I don't have, which which might be I desire to keep on living with you for the next 30 years. That's a desire because it hasn't happened yet. But the fact that the two people are living together, cohabitating, sharing the same bed, um, sex is available whenever you negotiate it, whenever you're both horny at the same time, whatever whatever arrangement might have, that's the part that you can't want because it's already there. So You, you know, if you've already eaten dinner, you're not hungry. Yeah. And one of the things that doesn't happen in a lot of these monogamous constructs where people are so incredibly concerned with staying safe, and I don't mean staying trustworthy, I just mean, you know, staying really, really careful, oh, I, you know, is that th- there's no chance for any of this desire to be built. So if you're having trouble with desire, consider how confined your relationship is. And what you just said about the desire to be safe, um, I think that's a reasonable uh, desire. Yeah. Uh, it, all, it all depends what a person means by being safe. 
So someone might say, I have the desire that to make sure I feel safe and to make sure that happens, I have to make sure you never have sex with anybody else so long as we are together. Uh, that's the condition I put on us. And um, the conditions that you, sp- you specified, such as uh, don't don't look at porn because I don't like that, don't be flirty with other girls because I don't like that, uh, those are reflections of your beliefs and your thoughts and what you're not comfortable with. So I'm not telling you you're wrong for it. What I'm saying is that if those are things that make you feel uncomfortable, you have a choice of how you look at that. You can either say, you make me feel uncomfortable because you do this. End of conversation, that's it. So don't do it. That's the only way to make me feel comfortable is by you stopping doing that. Another perspective is there's something within my mind, and I'm not going to argue whether it's good or bad, whether it's right or wrong. I will just acknowledge there's something in my mind that makes me feel uncomfortable when this thing triggers that discomfort. If we entertained that avenue of thought, then we start looking at things in a different perspective and a conversation can open up. Such oh, as, yeah. such as if, if I said, I know that your ex has this wonderful dick and I, and I, I, I just, I don't feel good about you ever talking with him. I don't feel good about you ever sending emails or being in contact. And so just cut off all contact. Um, you might then say, well, what is that all about? The conversation stops if I say, I'm not good with that. You've got to honor that. That's the end of the conversation. And, and it's sort of an ultimatum where you either obey me so I can feel safe uh, or else we're through or else I try to control you. Uh, but if we can open up that conversation where I can look deep inside me and start hopefully being able to acknowledge stuff that's inside me that I might not even be aware of is look at it, analyze it, and then try to share to the best of my ability with you what's going on in me where it might be, well, I feel sort of insecure. I'm afraid that you might leave me because he's better looking than me or, or that sex with him is better than sex with us now. And I'm just afraid that that might lead to us not seeing each other anymore or, or else me not getting any more sex from you or, or that sort of conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can never happen if we say, you make me feel end of conversation. Oh, or, or if you say things like that's inappropriate, that's right. inappropriate. You shouldn't be doing it. It is wrong. It, it, end of conversation. Yeah. It, yeah it, that's the ultimate truth. It is wrong. It's inappropriate. You make me feel you are bad. Those are unquestionable truths and you, you just, Face them and you go with it. And, and, and I say, well, let's take a look at it. Let's take and, a look and, at it more deeply. And sometimes if you're um, – I do want to get back to some of the reasons why people have sex. But, yeah. again, if you want desire, then you may need to be willing to tolerate some amount of discomfort. And the discomfort might just be, oh, Look at look at that. My spouse is actually very attractive, and I can see that. Look at look at the ladies at work; like they love him, he, like they flirt with him like crazy. I can see he actually has options, yeah. and that might create a funny little feeling in my belly and some anxiety. Like, oh my god, if he wanted to, he could have other women. I'm not the only option he has, and and you know what? That creates a little bit of spark. So what you just said, um, our listeners might not make this connection that I want to really spell out bluntly for listeners, is that before you got together as a couple, when you just saw each other and, and the spark was there, the interest was there, the desire was there. I repeat, the desire was there. Mm-hmm. At that time in the relationship, there was a lot of risk. Maybe she won't like me back. Um, maybe when we have sex the first time, she's not going to think I'm that great. Maybe she'll just get totally turned off. Maybe she won't like my body. There was a lot of risk and a lot of desire. So the thing that most listeners or our listeners might be missing is that what made that early part of our relationship so delicious was there was risk and that risk created the desire. Because it was unknown. We didn't know if we'll ever see her again. We didn't know if he's going to call me back. We didn't know that. It was all a risk. It was all a mystery. And it was all desire. Now, I, I do want to lead into this other thing, and that there, there are some relationships. And I've heard this. Actually, I've only ever heard this from women. I have never had a man come in and tell me this about his partner. So um, I have... Uh, well, you know, a couple of times, but anyway, sorry. No, I'm just going over. My, my mind is now mapping over everybody I've ever talked to. So 
there are many cases where there never was desire in the first place. And there was a, and they're married. They've been married for a long time. They've got a great family. They've got kids. And now suddenly, 10 to 15 years in, her lack of desire for him is a problem. And she's creating a, like, there's a ton of resentment and of anger and of like all kinds of negative emotions towards him because he's not creating and inciting this desire within her. And yet that desire was never there in the first place. So she can't even go back and remember what it was that attracted her. What it, and, and, I, and I'm saying that was a decision. And that is a decision that you made. You made eyes open. Um, you made it for a reason. And having a good relationship is a perfectly valid and legitimate reason to pair bond with somebody and create a family. There's no, sh- there's no shame in that. Even though a lot of people will shame you if you don't have sexual desire for your partner. Um, I don't think that there's anything wrong with having a good family. So I, I'm going to reword this according to my understanding and tell me if I've captured what you just said because I think yeah. I'm getting it. Yeah. Is imagine a couple getting together and uh, say that it's the woman that, that I'm not horny for this guy but I like him. There's just something about him that I really like this guy. I want to see him again and I'm okay having sex with him. I'm fine with that and I'll do that and I'll enjoy it. It'll be wonderful but I'm not horny for him so it's not yep. like I'd be initiating it. I'm not asking for it but I'm totally game to have it. Exactly. So, well, sometimes she will initiate it yeah. because that's the way you get them to fall in love. So, so that, that, <laughs> is, that is one reason why people have sex is to have a more intimate, more connected relationship, a greater sense of connection with each other. Yes, and to establish a secure connection and a secure relationship with a man, usually it's a man, that you think will make a good home, a good father, a good provider, and a good husband. Yeah. And, and that's cool. And yes, and even if those things are not the criteria, the, the husband, the father, even if the woman is thinking like, I'm not even thinking about kids, I'm not thinking about parenting, I, I'm just thinking about this guy, I enjoy him, I like him, and oh, I yeah. want to have a close relationship with him. So having sex is, in many cases, is a way of cementing a relationship, of, of forming a closer bond that we've gone to this level, we've had this additional level of intimacy, of having sex with each other, that's much more intimate than handshake, hug, kiss, French kissing. It's, it's something beyond that, which could symbolize to one or both that uh, we've, we've transcended a certain level in our relationship, a certain level of meaning, a certain level of closeness. Yep. And, and that's a, a very important reason to have sex it is to, as you're, you're calling it, cement that relationship. It, it yeah. keeps you feeling close and it keeps you feeling intimate. As long as you're having sex with an open heart and you're not having sex um, with that underlying resentment or having sex in a sort of, this is disgusting, but I'm going to do it because I have to, yeah. you know what, then you're in the wrong and you're doing something that's unethical. If you're doing it with uh, an open and happy heart and you're doing it because, hey, this is wonderful and this is bringing us close together, then uh, that, that's great. And um, the only time that turns into a problem is usually when you start thinking, oh, well, now I want to be horny. Now I want to be turned on. Now I want to have that certain special spark and what the fuck? Like, what, you, you're so boring. Like, why aren't you doing this for me? And, well, and he, that, well, he never has. How can you expect? Yeah. Like, come on. Right. That's not and, fair. Yeah, so <laughs> I just want to re- rephrase that one statement that you made, that parcel, which I think is wonderful. And that is that in the early part of a relationship, there could be um, sex happening that is not based on horniness. Correct. It is based on emotional desire. It's based on connection that's happening between you two. Uh, could even be based on a symbol of, I trust you. I, I care for you. I care about you. Uh, this is a symbol of my desire to want a, a more, a yet more intimate relationship with you. Mm-hmm. So it's part of relationship building. And uh, sex might be frequent. It might be uh, wonderful. It might appear to be energetic or might appear to be um, uh, enthusiastic. And then years later, after the relationship has become, uh, you've spent more time around the people, around each other, uh, you're now more used to each other, you're in a different frame of mind where you're no longer doing that relationship building that, from a totally new relationship. And that could be misinterpreted as the sex has dropped off because she's not interested in me or, or he is no longer interested in me or he's lost interest in sex. Um, it, it, it might not be that radically different 
from the early days uh, in terms of what they're doing, but what the radical difference could be my state of mind and what I'm bringing to the table now versus three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very much so. And, and you know, so circumstances change. So, for example, you, you know, things are, are good, and then uh, you get a hot um, physiotherapist who kind of who creates that little, what do you call it, not limerence, but incites that desire and kind of gets your juices flowing and suddenly it's like oh oh my god this there's this incredible feeling that i could be having that i'm not having at home yeah and i think the mistake that many people make is believing um let's say that uh i had never met you and i i came to your place as a client and i get this amazing feeling the mistake is that, oh my God, Freya is the one. She, and I don't mean the one as in, um, a soulmate, but there's something unique to Freya that gives me this feeling. That belief in my mind is what might inspire someone to, uh, to have an affair or to think less of their own partner. Just the belief of, I can only feel like this with this other person. This other person makes me feel that way as opposed to, I've turned myself on under different circumstances. And I didn't realize it until this moment. And I think that this is just me and my personal opinion. I think that it's fine to want to have that feeling. And I think it's it's fair, it's legit, it's cool to want to have that feeling. But what's not cool is how often people need to demonize their partner in order to justify their wanting to have that feeling. Because they don't feel like it's okay. Did that make any sense? Uh, yes. I, so, so let's just say, Steve. You know, we're in this relationship. It's kind of hum. It's humdrum. It's nice. It's warm. Yeah. It's like secure. Warm, it's predictable. Yeah. It's secure. It's safe. It's warm bread. I I have a hot physiotherapist, and I am just like just chomping at the bit. I want him so bad, but I don't have a legitimate reason to step out on my husband. Right. Right. In my own mind, mm-hmm. and and yet, oh my God! It's been fifteen years. Maybe if ever. That I, that I've had this feeling, this like really, really intense erotic desire and I want to feel more of it. And so somehow I have to either decide, okay, I'm going to let that go. And I feel like this guy is one of the only guys I'm ever going to have this amazing feeling with, or I have to justify going after it. And in order to do that, I got to make you into an asshole and I have to make you as boring, as stupid, as useless. And as shitty as humanly possible, and I also have to be disgusted by you. So you can get justification, so, right? So that I can justify. Without guilt, yes. <laughs> stepping out with this, yeah. with this hot physio guy who's turning me on. And, yeah. and you know what? That's really unfair. I, I think that you can acknowledge your desire without having to um, turn your partner into a piece of shit. Yeah. But people do it. Yeah. It's kind of the, the thing. And I, and I just want to bring that up because I'm sure there's a lot of people who have crushes who are thinking about possibly <laughs> pursuing something really hot with one of their crushes. And you know what? You don't, got to, you don't have to be unfair yeah. to, to the person that you love um, in order to think about, talk about, or um, consider even pursuing. And I'm not, I'm not encouraging pursuing, um, pursuing your crushes. I'm just saying. Yeah. Be fair, be fair, because it, it's not about um, your warm loaf of bread at home. Yeah. One of the things that our society teaches us uh, along this vein is that love and sex are inseparable. So um, if my partner loves me, my partner will constantly want me. Uh, there'll be lots of great abundant sex, and that's just mm-hmm. the way it is. Um, that's one of the lies we've been taught. Uh, the other is that if there is no love, um, this, if there's if the sex drops off, the love is gone. Um, and the other is that if you're turned on by somebody else, if you want sex with somebody else, that means you love me less. Uh, or um, that now you've shifted your focus to another place. And that might happen. It, it, it might be the case where the relationship is really crummy at home. I'm really not liking it. I, I don't know why I haven't left yet, but uh, just give me any excuse and I'd be out of here. I just haven't acted upon it. That's possible. And then something sparks up outside of the relationship and the, and they, they want to have an affair. They want to have some sex there. Uh, I would argue that it's not the sex that broke up that relationship. That relationship has been on the rocks for ages. This is just the final straw that broke the camel's back, the excuse for uh, let's end it. I've now got somebody else. Um, 
the se- yeah, the sex is, is just the warning label, or I mean the warning flag. It's not about the sex at all. Yeah. Uh, I, so I'd like to come into an, another one, which is not really a sexy reason. Go ahead. And the reason is having sex in order to get somebody to leave you alone. Yeah, talk about that. And oh, my- that's a huge, huge one. And I wish, like, if there was one type of sex, excluding actual, like, abusive, you know, rape and stuff like that. But if there's some one that I could get rid of, it would be this one. My understanding is that this is mostly a, a female phenomenon where uh, mostly, and not exclusively, but mostly it's women who are are not interested in sex at this time or with this person or some combination but yet the persistence is there. Uh, the, the, the poutiness, the, the grumpiness, the whatever it is that they don't like and don't want to deal with is there. And they, they just have sex to get the guy off my back, or figuratively speaking, uh, just to, to stop the persistence. Talk about that. What, what have you seen in this vein? What are your thoughts on this? This is so huge. If men knew... First of all, just how big this subject was, how often it happened, how often it's happened to them without them knowing about it secretly because we don't admit it. And, uh, and if, and what it felt like to be on the female, I'm calling it the female side. You know what? Men do it too. So it's not female only. I'm just mm-hmm. using female male because it's easier that way to separate. Uh, if they knew what it felt like to be on the other end, they certainly would stop that now. And, and st- <laughs> now this, it's so gross. This can happen at any time. This could happen during dates where a guy is really persistent and just will not take no for an answer short of rape, but just being aggressive and persistent and not giving up. It can happen under those conditions and something similar can happen in a pair bond. Where, oh, it uh, happens. It happens. Long-term couple. Yeah. Long-term relationships. It happens big time because the guy thinks that what he wants is his dick in a vagina. Mm-hmm. And and it's because he doesn't usually have the emotional awareness to realize that what he wants actually is connection. Yeah. And that's his only way of getting it. That's what he thinks needs to happen for him to feel okay. In all honesty, he would usually be okay with some kind of intimate connection. But in his mind, I need sex, I need the release. So it's thinking sex, 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 sex. And um, that's often not what he needs, um, even though he does want some kind of intimacy. So, so yeah. And look, I'm one of those people who in my 20s, before I had good boundaries, I had so much sex that I didn't want to have just because I didn't know how to say no. And I didn't know how to, I just didn't know how to say no. How do you say no when he, when he's, like pushing for it and then you hurt his feelings and he because you know there's this punishment that happens when you turn somebody down then suddenly you're a bitch and not only you are you a bitch but you're a bitch that he's going to slag off afterwards and put down and say all kinds of really nasty things about and sometimes it's like a peacekeeping contract it's sort of like okay i'm gonna put out in exchange for your goodwill yeah and um, I, I did a lot of that and sex that I really didn't want to have. And um, also in relationships too, you know, you've got him there and it's sort of, you have to deal with, okay, is he going to pout for the next few days and start forgetting to do things that he promised he would do for you? Or do you just sort of grit, grin your teeth and grit your teeth and bear it and um, let him have his come and go to sleep because otherwise he's going to start doing the passive-aggressive stuff. So you, so you do it. And I think that it sets up a cycle of resentment and miscommunication and really put, brings up a wall between two people when, when that kind of thing comes into play. Yeah. I, I think that a, a common element of, of pair bonds is that people who desire a monogamous relationship don't look at it deeply enough to think that I want my partner to never have sex with anybody else so long as we are together as a couple. But I'm not going to take it as my responsibility to make sure that my partner gets all the sex they want so they can feel okay. 
Oh God, yeah. And and that's, that's not a there, there isn't a clean answer for that either. It's it's not a simple thing of well you know that's the price I'm willing to pay because I want my partner to be happy, so I will take it as my personal responsibility to make sure my partner is always sexually gratified. The the other side of that is does that mean that I become an unpaid prostitute basically when my partner anytime they want sex is I'm obligated to have to do it? There's no easy answer for that. That's not a popular opinion, but you know what? I I agree with that one. So what? Ha- the unpaid prostitute thing? Yeah. So basically, you're stuck fulfilling his needs as long as he's what? Signing the paycheck, providing the house, providing the car? Is is that the deal? Yeah, I, I think, I, I believe, <laughs> I believe most people don't actually come up with a prenup. So that all those requirements, their expectations, desires, and requirements are not articulated and agreed upon in advance. So there's an idea in their mind of what our relationship would be like. And then after the romance phase uh, wears off, the new relationship energy dims out. Uh, what's left is then the power struggle of, well, how do I get what I want out of this relationship? There's that, that great disillusionment of this wasn't what I signed up to. You're not the person I, that, I, and, that I originally got together with because now you've got bad breath in the morning. And when we were dating, you never had bad breath. Um, and you were always shaven. You were always shaven. And now I'm seeing in your track pants, unshaven on weekends, wearing your wife beater t-shirt. And, and uh, you're not the guy that I married and you're playing Xbox. You're not the guy who's always bringing me flowers and wooing me. Well, yeah. So now the disillusionment happens. You're, you're now truly seeing what the other is like and vice versa. And then the power struggle ensues of, well, how do I get what I want out of this? How do I renegotiate what I want that then now I have to articulate that this is what I want more of because it's not happening as easily. People don't think about these things in advance. They they act on feelings, which are nice. Uh, I, I like this person. I feel hot for them. We both think about sex. We're both horny. We great we have great sex together, or else we date well. Uh, wouldn't it be wonderful if we live together because we date so well? Many people don't think about these details before they go into a relationship. And it's really amazing. And it's I'm not saying this from a, a holier than thou perspective. I'm saying it from a truly. I'm amazed that there's not a better way to discuss it and there isn't a more common and well-known way to have these discussions. So there's all these people out there who say, I want monogamy. Oh yeah, I want to, you know what? I want a monogamous relationship because polyamory is not for me. Openness is not for me. No, I want this. And yet there is no discussion. There's no actual explicit discussion about sex. So you, so in saying that, I'm saying I expect you to be responsible for my sex for the rest of our lives. And it's got to be frequent enough. Otherwise, I'm going to be really unhappy because how often do we see, even just in that one discussion group that we're in, Steve, the endless posts about not getting enough sex? Yeah. But, but I'm not getting enough sex. How do I get more sex from my partner or how do I get better sex from my partner? Now, my, like with my job, I know how to tell people how to have better sex, but I can't tell them how to have desire for their partner. Right. To a degree, I can. But if they're not willing to change that dynamic, there's only so much that I can do. And then secondly, come on, like you're responsible for all of my sexual needs for the rest of your life. That's a big, big, big commitment. I have a suggestion. Let's do a podcast on that topic. And I, you know what, I want to hear from a lot of people Yeah. because, you know, I'm only one person. I've only had my experiences. And I remember in my last relationship, my last long-term relationship, um, I was so frustrated because I said, you know, I, and I brought up the subject of polyamory, which is eventually what brought it to an end because he was unwilling to discuss it. He like was unwilling to even discuss it. It was like bringing it up as a subject was like, that's it. It's over. Um, and I was like, well, we could, we could at least discuss it. Doesn't mean we have to do it, but let's talk about it. Because I felt like, okay, so you took me and you said you wanted this exclusive relationship with me. All right. I really love you. I want to be with you. I'll do anything to be with you. But then you put me on a shelf, closed the glass door and left me there on my own. And I'm like, I'm willing to have a monogamous relationship with you, but like, I I don't want to have a. You have to step up and deliver your part. 
<laughs> I in don't order- want to be by myself on a glass shelf. Come on. <laughs> yeah, one thing Esther Perel said um, in one of her wonderful talks, she says that virtually everything a couple does, uh, they agree together. What house are we buying? What car are we buying? Where are we going for vacation? What school are we sending our children to? They decided that as a couple. Uh, but there's one thing that is decided unilaterally, and that is one of the, the two people decide, I don't want to have sex or I want to have much less, and therefore we will have as little sex as I want because I'm the one who wants less than you do. And I expect you to be good with it, and that's just the way it is. So lowest common denominator, I just don't feel horny. You, Oh, well, live with it. Mm-hmm. That- or or not even just not horny. Sometimes people are like, okay, I'll do it with you, but you know, it's a very limited repertoire. So they're controlling, okay, we're only going to do it with the lights off. We're only going to do it in missionary. You're not allowed to go down on me. And I'm certainly not going to have that disgusting thing in my mouth because, ew. Yeah. So again, it's extremely limited. And I think that, you know, we don't limit what our, okay, I'm not going to make the case for polyamory here, but I would never say you cannot go out to eat in an Italian restaurant because I'm not Italian. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. So, <laughs> so I'm going to corral this back again to just uh, uh, do we do we have yeah corral me we, up because get me back have, on track. Do we have anything more to add about why people have sex? So we talked about um, affirmation. Uh, feeling better about ourselves, uh, cementing a relationship, a, a sense of deeper connection? Well, I, I would say that there sometimes people have sex in order to make the other person happy. Oh, I know. I remember, Steve. You and I had a conversation once, and I mentioned giving um, an erotic experience as a birthday present. And you said to me, well, I would, like, that's pretty sad if, if that's, you know, if that would be a present. And I thought, I don't think it is. So I think that people will sometimes have sex in order to give the other person, in order to make them happy. Yeah. And um, there's a dark side to that. There's a manipulative side, sort of like, well, she's hoping he's going <laughs> to spend some money. And then there's the happy side, which is like, you know, I really love and appreciate my partner or that I can see that, he, you know, he'd really be cheered up if I did something pretty naughty with him right now. And, and I think that's kind. And there's nothing wrong with um, doing that out of love versus, you know, oh, God, I'm so horny. I've got to do this. Instead, it's I care about him so much. I'm going to do this thing for him, which I know he's going to love. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that's... um. We've covered some reasons. Now, what I would like to do is I'm going to invite anybody listening to this podcast to share with us some of the reasons that you've had sex that are not, I'm just so horny, I have to have sex. And this can, of course, be anonymous. And you can write to us at stevefreya at gmail.com. Oh, it might be Freya Steve. Hold on, let me check. (laughs) Trust me to forget my own damn email. <laughs> Steve, say something while I find the email, okay? I, I, you know, the funny thing is, I would be ribbing you about this if I remembered it. <laughs> so it it is a new email. It's a new email address, so that's why neither of us can remember it by heart. <laughs> so it's it's freyasteve at gmail.com. That is F-R-E-J-A-S-T-E-V-E at gmail.com. I'm going to put the information in the notes, in the podcast notes, so that you can just click on there and share with us some of the times that you've had sex for other reasons. And I, I would like to bring this up because, again, um, I would like to normalize the idea that Sex is a very versatile thing that we do, not just because we're horny, particularly as we get older. It's a way to bond. It's a way to connect. It's a way to make your relationships better and to actually keep love going. And on that, on that very note, I just want to say touching each other nicely creates the chemicals of love in your body. So when you touch each other, you're actually making love literally making love by touching each other nicely and uh, engaging in sex. So keep doing it. It's really important to keep doing yeah. whether you, whether you want to or not. Yeah. Are, are we running out of time or do we still have some more time on this topic? Mm, do you have something important to say? 
<laughs> I, could, I could talk on this on this topic I, for hours. I know you. I know you could. But uh, if it's on a different subject, I'm thinking we should um, we should make another uh, do another recording. Yeah, it's the same subject, but why um, about having sex? Why we have sex is uh, I have this. I have a mind that sees multiple perspectives uh, simultaneously, and um, rather than gravitating to one reason or, or one avenue of reasons, is that I can see that there's two broad areas about uh, about sex, why we would choose to have sex. And um, typically what we've been doing now is we've been discovering, discussing uh, the outer side of why we want to have sex. Um, on the inner side are things that we might want to question about, do I choose to continue being this way? So an example of that is um, if a guy holds the opinion that I want to have sex with a woman because that's the way that I feel connected with her. I would encourage deeper thought about that to ask, why is it that sex is the big thing that gives you that sense of connection as opposed to being able to have a great sense of connection in other ways? Uh, for example, uh, you and I, Freya, um, we have – I, I, I'll speak for myself – is I feel that I have an incredibly deep connection with you because both of us – are in a place where we can be open and vulnerable with each other and fearless because neither of us are trying to get anything from each other. We just enjoy these talks. So uh, by being in that state, I feel a really great sense of connection, even though at this time, in this date, we're at the end of June 2020, I still have not met you physically. We, we've only uh, communicated across uh, emails, texts, and voice um, because we met on the Esther Perel Facebook group. But we've had some really wonderful conversations, ones that are so intimate that we are sharing them now with people on podcasts. And that is non-sexual. We're sharing a sexual energy between us because we're deeply open about our sexual thoughts, um, our desires, our interests. But neither of us are flirting with each other, um, nor are we having physical sex with each other. And yet I'm feeling the sense of deep connection with you. So there's one example of how someone might say, sex is this, or I need sex because of, and I'm saying, well, that might be true, but that might not be the only truth. You might get that same deep sense of connection in a non-physically sexual way. I agree with that. And and I do want to say, I, I want to weigh in on this and say that with sex often comes genital stimulation and orgasmic release. And there's a flood of oxytocin, which is the bonding chemical. Yeah. So you so you feel closer to your partner, and um, you can get those same feelings and sensations without having intercourse. Yeah, I like you can get them from giving each other a nice massage, or from spooning, or yeah. cuddling, just being body to body. And sometimes you can be body to body and kind of caress each other's body parts. Uh, it doesn't have to be this sort of frantic frictioning. And when you take away that definition of what sex is, it also makes you more likely to get it more often because the resistance to one specific and particular activity is no longer there. I know that from the female point of view, um, and this was actually a deal that I made with my, not a deal, but like an agreement that I had with my former partner. Um, at the end of a long day, when I had lots of things to think about, I was working, maybe I was really tired. My body is just tired and I'm kind of stressed. And I, I flop into bed. I'm, I'm like, Oof. if he were to come up to me in that moment and say, hey, you want to get it on? Uh, or you want to have sex? I'd be like, no. If yeah. I was honest. Yeah, if I, I was honest, so, I, yeah. I would say no. I am so not in the mood right now. Because, I, because I'm not in the mood. But yeah. my my thing to him was, it's not hard to get me in the mood, um, but what I need is for you to not need me to be in the mood. That's the defining, that's the major important factor to me getting in the mood is you not needing me there. So if you cuddle up to me, like I would love to have you just spoon me from behind because I like that feeling. So he would spoon me and I would say, can you just touch me nicely and what that meant between us and we talked about this beforehand so it wasn't like I was asking him to mind read touch me nicely was just like to graze his hands across my back or my shoulder or my leg or something and and what would happen is after several minutes my body would go from being stressed out into being relaxed 
My breathing would slow, my heart rate would slow, my body would soften. And when it was softened, then I would feel like, hmm, maybe it would actually yeah could you not, touch my could you touch my boobs <laughs> I'm, I'm not hungry but i could eat <laughs> then when so from that relaxed state once he started to touch my my chest and like nuzzle the back of my neck then my body would start to get turned on mm-hmm. and it would start the cascade and once that cascade started then the chance for tremendous ecstasy would happen and sometimes it didn't sometimes you know i would just be it would put me to sleep. (laughs) I'd be so tired that if I relaxed, I would just fall asleep. And other times um, I would get relaxed and then I would get really turned on. But the thing was, if you were to say, do you want sex? It would always be a no. But if you gave me that space to get turned on and to be open to it being something else, um, and sometimes uh, for whatever reason, I, my body didn't want to be touched, but you know what? I was super happy to reach behind me and play with his body. Mm-hmm. And if he had this rigid definition that sex had to be penis and vagina or it had to look like this or it had to result in both people having orgasms at the same time, forget it. It's always going to be off the table because in an adult working life with lots of things going on, usually you, I don't know, you're kind of busy yeah, and tired and stressed out. Yeah. I so I just, I just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and and the point of that, I I got off on that tangent because um, of the oxytocin thing and how that really, really does create a lot of connection and closeness. Yeah, Yeah. Um, that whole topic about what we expect of sex, what we think it is, um, penis and and vagina, PIV, uh, with an orgasm. Um, If we stick to that narrow definition of what sex is and I want that specific thing – that can be a detriment to our ability to enjoy a sexual life with our partner. If that is the formula, that is the objective, that's the goal that's got to happen or else I'm grumpy, that can become a problem. And uh, often when we, we talk about sex, we're talking about that last link in the chain. Okay, so I want this to happen and I want to I wanna have a penis and vagina, I want to have an orgasm, I want her to have an orgasm, and then we can go to sleep. What about a whole bunch of other stuff that might include that or might not? Uh, stuff such as throughout the entire day is let your partner know that you like them, that you care about them. Uh, when you're making breakfast, as you're walking by to get a coffee, uh, caress your wife on the shoulder. Just give her a hug from behind. Give her a kiss on the neck and, and let her know that I'm really glad that I've woken up beside you again. That's a really nice feeling. Just a simple thing like that. That is something that's going on that, that is a sort of a, a small seduction. And if you're doing this because that's part of who you are, you truly do care about your partner, you really do just want to express this appreciation as opposed to these are the steps I've got to take in order to get her turned on so that by tonight at 10 o'clock, she wants me. If that's truly who you are, then uh, the sexual expression just becomes much easier. It just becomes an extension of who you two are. And we hear so often, okay, I hear so often about women, they'll hit a certain age and that will be their excuse. They're like, okay, you know what? I uh, I, I don't want to have sex anymore. I'm past it. You know, I've hit menopause or I've hit a certain age. I'm done. And I think that stems from the rigid adherence to a specific type of sex. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter how old you are, being touched nicely feels good. Because those ladies are still going for their massage therapy, I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. And it's not about um, them not wanting to be touched. It's because sex has become or was such a rigid thing where there were all these limitations on it. And also it was fraught with a lot of peril. They had to make sure that their husband's ego was gratified in a certain way. And um, often with legging erections, that can be difficult. So it was easier just not to do it. And Steve is saying, and I'm saying, be open-minded about it and be open-minded to what kind of touch is going to be appropriate and satisfying. Yeah. yeah. A big part of this is we, if we have a very rigid definition of what sex is, then that in itself could become a problem as opposed to saying, Sex is anything that is sensual and sexy between us. Mm-hmm. It can mean that as we're going to bed, that I just love caressing her ass because 
I've been married for 12 years, but I still love that ass. And, and I'm not doing this because I want to bang you after this. I'm doing it because you're a magnificent girl and I'm still enjoying your presence when we're in bed and I still just love caressing you. Uh, that that is a sensual sexual thing that still feels good and can still contribute to your uh, the sexual element of your life, even though you might not be having an orgasm at that moment, even though it might not be leading to the traditional penis and vagina story with orgasm at the end. There's just so many things we can do. There's so many states of mind that we can have that contribute to this sexy connection that we can have with another person without having to resolve it down to this specific single penis and vagina definition of what of what the end goal should be or must be or that I need to have this in order for me to consider this good sex. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right. So. Uh, it sounds yeah. like we're wrapping this up, aren't we? Uh, I think we are wrapping this up. This is great. And, and again, I would really like to hear different stories about different, uh, different times and different reasons you've had sex, happily or unhappily, both. Because I want to invite the variety. I just want to open this up to, hey, this is what's really going on. We're not only just having sex because we're horny. We're not only having affairs because we're horny. We want them. Um, and we're not doing it with our partners either. And that's okay. I think it's actually very good, very healthy. Yeah. So we will convey again at some point in the near future. I always look forward to our chats. And I thank you again for, for this connection and this call. Thank you, Steve. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, bye for now. All right, good night.